Welcome to our podcast. It is the first one, and we still don't have a name. <laughs> We've been trying, though. We've been trying. So it's me, Marcel Harper, and I'm joined by Matthew Bezeling. You can call me Matt. But Matthew can be called Matt. So we should have a name by next time, but for now, every time we think of one, another one comes up. Uh. <laughs> so it's going to be very unprofessional, I'm sure, for our first episode, and we will uh, become more professional as we go along. But uh, That's not a guarantee, unfortunately. It's, it's not a guarantee at all. But what the cast is going to be all about is going to be about beer. It's going to be about craft, food, beer, and everything else. It's going to be about nerdy stuff, about geeky stuff. There's probably going to be some music. In fact, we're going to be uh, featuring a band each time we, we have our podcast. Today, the music by a wonderful little indie band called Fridge Poetry from Joburg. So shout out to Fridge Poetry. Thanks for letting us use your music. Thank you, Fridge Poetry. And uh, they're sort of into ska-ish sort of stuff. Uh, we're going to start off actually with one of their songs called The Postman, which I love. And uh, I think it's a suitable kind of song to intro us into this first podcast. Okay. I, I have no actual ability to make score music, so I'm perfectly aligned with the fact that it's terrible. Well, you know, that's, your, that's like your opinion, man. It's literally my opinion. <laughs> it's, there's, there's nothing else that I can say about it. It's my opinion. He's the boss man, yeah, yeah. Today with a beer. What are we having right now? Well, you, you did tell me, and then we, I immediately forgot. So we're having a Jack Black uh, Butcher's Block Pale Ale, and we're having it right now. I I know that as a podcast, there's no way of you knowing that we're actually having it, and uh, except for the slow descent into drunkenness mm, as the podcast goes on, that might well happen. Um, but I kind of like the the Butcher's Block. It's not it's not my favorite, but it's a nice little breakfast beer. Um. For those many, of you who partake. How many beers do Jack Black put out now? Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Lumberjack. You and are. obviously we've had uh, the lager a couple of times. In fact, I have to disclose that, that the beer we should be drinking right now is the Lumberjack. But because I'm an idiot, I, I didn't look properly when I reached for them in the fridge of the liquor store and I got the butcher's block instead. Were you going to bring Lumberjack just for me? Yeah. That is so sweet. I know. I'm that kind of guy. That is so sweet. All right, but I'll take this. this is, it's, it's good. It's yeah. good. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but sometimes I reach for stuff in the store <laughs> thinking it's one thing and then I go home and then it's another. I don't know what that's all about. Um, are you drunk when you're shopping? <laughs> not mostly. <laughs> not mostly. Because I've, I've done that. Yeah. I'm not sure if that counts. So anyway, so by mistaken identity, we're having the butcher's block, Bell Ale. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we have. And then we're going to have some more beer today. So... Look, I mean, my experience of podcasts generally is we start off with a lot of structure, and then as we go along, we'll we'll develop our own thing. We're obviously hoping that we're going to get more and more listeners who can interact with us. So if you are listening to this first one, please go and like us on uh, Facebook, and you can you'll probably get us through beginnerbrewer.com, which is the blog I write on homebrewing and beer and everything else. And then obviously, please rate us on iTunes because that helps a lot. So we, we're hoping to get some more audience participation. And so if you've got ideas for what you'd like to see happen on the podcast, please let us know. I think what we'd also really enjoy is people who are um, 
as educated or more so than Marcel. Um, a lot of what we're going to talk about is about. It's surely is, not is, possible, is it, man. Um, I know. You, I In fact, you I think the that. contract which I signed to get into this podcast <laughs> stated specifically that's impossible. Um, all right. Well, let's just say that in a different world, these people might be educated. In this particular world, all they're doing is being pretenders to the throne. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, I'd well, like to hear you. their criticisms um, and and opinions about the beers we're drinking. Yes. Um, mainly because you tell me things, and <laughs> I assume them to be true. Yeah. But um, I have no way I of actually lying. knowing. I might actually be just like absolutely not aware of what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, you've you've made it very clear to me that the mainstream SAB lager that I drink on a you know mm. relatively daily basis is the worst beer that's ever been built by human hands. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, it makes me feel bad. Yeah. Well, Make- it's not the worst beer. It's just very bland and boring. So, And I think that's some of the stuff we'll be talking about is what's the difference between when people say a beer is bad versus a beer is just boring. Because um, SA Breweries, uh, SA Miller and so on, which is here in South Africa, for those international listeners who are tuning in, welcome. Um, <laughs> hi, Bob from Hawaii. I love your stuff. <laughs> Uh, you know, SA Brewery Miller, which dominates the macro market in South Africa, I mean, they produce good beer in the sense of technically correct beer. Um, they've got master brewers. They don't make mistakes in that sense, but their beer is intensely boring, and I think that's the difference. So so that's the sort of stuff we'd like to talk about as well, is to maybe bust some myths around beer, craft beer in general. Uh, we'll get to that. I'm a fan of Mythbusters, so you're going to hear me somehow try and associate myself with that show a lot. Um you, know. you, you, you dress like Jamie, so I dress. I do not have a beret, um, but I might. Get you had one. to leave your beret at the door. I did. I did. So, so if I'm Jamie, that makes you uh, Grant Imara. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you couldn't use the other Mm-mm. one of the two people in Mythbusters. You had to go for an assistant. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, you said it, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I'll keep that in mind. So. That's what we're going to be doing. Um, we're also going to be reviewing beers. We're going to be hopefully interviewing some industry insiders. Um, and we're just going to play along and see what happens uh, and have some fun. Now, hopefully, if you're listening, you'll be having some fun with us and hopefully drinking some of the beer. Yeah, preferably drinking. Uh, you, you've got to be drinking if you listen to the show. And if you're not, then I'm sad for you. And we'll be posting some beers which we'll be reviewing in, in future episodes so that you can actually maybe sort of have a tasting with us as we go through them and see if you agree or not. If you disagree with us, then don't tell me about it. Yes, that, that's going to extend to our opium tasting exactly. episode, which is much later in the season. Yes. So as you might, might guess, this show is not safe for work, safe for church, or safe for almost any other audience than uh, <laughs> you know, us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we, well, so if you're offended easily and you're... Uh, paid up member of the League of Decency, then uh, I would suggest that you seek out a different podcast to listen to, because uh, stuff's not going to be uh, very uh, consumable. <laughs> not, by not going to go down well. It's not going to go down well with the League of Decency. Okay, so I like this Jack Black, which is going. It's down going down tasty. Excellent. I mean, it's such a nice little breakfast beer for me. It's it's a session beer. So, can you maybe describe the style? Yeah, you actually asked me a question. I haven't answered is which is Jack Black's lineup. Of beer. Oh, sure. I forgot about that. Yeah. We also should probably tell the audience who we are. Good grief. We're and going why, about this all backwards. Why? Yeah, we did. Okay, let's start from there. Who are you? So, I'm Marcel Harper. I have been brewing beer for now more than 10 years. I have uh, I started a brewing company called Hate City Brewing Company about two years ago. It's currently in sort of a pause mode of production. And I've also started a company called Unfiltered, 
brand artisans which help craft brewers market and advertise and sell their beer to the masses. Um, so that's sort of my background in beer. I've got a lot of other stuff in my background which we'll probably get through throughout the show, but that's sort of what's relevant to this one. Oh, I'm also apparently a Siebel accredited beer judge. What? Uh, yeah. You're a what? I'm a Siebel Institute accredited beer judge. Not only do I not know what that means, this, Good. Is, uh, this has come as a shock to me. Yeah. You never, you've never told it's, me this. It's one of those internet degrees, Matt. I, I, uh, wrote, I wrote my name in a little box on the internet and <laughs> pressed enter and they gave me a diploma. So. Like, this, that, like that law degree I got from Columbia. Exactly. Now I've got to get one from Columbia University. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, so that's my thing and I'm, I'm sort of into beer. You know, I've always been into beer and now I'm more into the industry of beer so it's fun matt um my <laughs> my beer history is i've been drinking beer for over 10 years um i i have absolutely no real qualifications to be doing so except for the fact that i really enjoy it um well that's all qualification you need well, uh, well i hope so and i hope that, pod- that this podcast kind of brings that a point across um you know the, the reason why um i enjoy drinking with marcel is not just because at some point in the drinking session he's going to offer to pay for everything but um you know there's a vast repository of knowledge that he pretends to be correct about and uh i like i like hearing that i like knowing where my beer comes from and i can ask stupid questions like you know what is milk stout and why do we only get you know guinness in this country and why don't we make more of them um which all answers all, all questions we should be answering in this podcast uh other than that i um I run a digital agency, uh, which is why I'm qualified to run the mixer for this podcast. Um, <laughs> and by qualified, I mean heinously unqualified. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested in beer. And I think it's important that uh, if, if you like beer, that you kind of understand the heritage that it comes from um, and the, the degrees to which people put a lot of effort and work into making these beers. Cool. Cool. So that's us. Oh, I also forgot that I do write a beer blog, which I would encourage you to read if you haven't yet. It's called uh, beginnerbrewer.com, and you'll find more stuff about the podcast on there as well. So, And we'll, we'll probably be using beginnerbrewer.com for a while now as the central uh, repository for the podcast info. When you put in here in the show notes, punting shit, you, yes. you weren't joking. You weren't joking. You, you yes. really just reeled off the litany of qualifications that you might have. Yeah, yeah. These Is are that all the too um, did I did I go too it was, commercial? It was there? pretty. It was pretty addy. I won't oh, lie. Sorry, man. No, no, no. No, it's fine. Let's leave it. Let's we'll leave it for now. Yes. Do you want to punt anything, man? Um, I have a dog grooming business. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very good. I only have one dog. Yeah. Uh, How's I, that going for you? Well, the dog seems very happy. I just I just happy groomed customers. that one dog over and over and over again. So, right. um, other than that, I, um, unless people <laughs> want to take on my podcast services, I've already got a mixer. Seems to be working out quite nice. You know which buttons to press. I, I keep pushing the 75 hertz cutoff. Right. I wish Over you would stop doing <laughs> that. It's hurting me. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's get into the show. And today on the podcast, we are going to be do several, doing several things. So the one which I'm looking forward to is, uh, and we're probably going to be doing that every now and again. We, we won't do it every single time, but it's, it's going to be a discussion of a particular beer style. Um, so... If you're new to beer, you may be surprised to, to learn that there are roughly, you know, more than 100 styles of beer out there, uh, which can be brewed. And it's not just all lager, which is only one style uh, of beer. And, 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 you know, the way styles work, depending on which categorization system you use, you've mostly got sort of main styles and then subcategories in them. 
And, and most Africans mostly drink a lot of lager. Um, a lot of uh, south of the equator countries are into lager because it's nice and refreshing and we're hot countries. Uh, but there are nice and refreshing other styles of beer too. And one of them is a style we're going to be discussing today, and it's called the Saison. So it's a French-style beer. Saison or Session or... It's Saison. That's All how right. you pronounce it. Saison, S-A-I-S-O-N. And Saison is a French word, which meaning I do not know what it is. <laughs> uh, filled with ennui. <laughs> yes, but it's very French. And it's also part of a, a, a sort of an informal category of beers called farm... Uh, farmhouse beers, or, uh, which are made by traditionally were made by farmers for workers. Um, so that's that's just a little side note, and and they they also kind of roughish styles in the sense that you know in the old days when these styles were made, they you know they didn't really have a lot of sophisticated processes. They didn't use a lot of expensive ingredients. They used what was on hand, and the saison is one of those styles. It's a very refreshing style. It's it's a light uh, in color beer. It's not always light in alcohol. Um, it's also got a very specific uh, flavor profile. And we're going to be discussing some. We're going to be tasting some local examples. So the Saison style has become kind of popular with South African craft brewers. Um, we're also going to – I wanted to get some international examples, but I, I wasn't able to find some in my local liquor store, which was a problem. Is that a is is that a common complaint? Is it normal we can't find a lot of the international niche? It's it's one of the major problems with being a South African beer fan is that you can't easily get international beers. Um, you know, it's it's obviously expensive given the exchange rate issues we've got. But I also just think that distributors haven't really come here. So you can find some Belgian, a lot of Belgian and Dutch styles nowadays uh, beers, and there's there's one or two American ones you can find mostly down the Cape. Or through uh, guys like League of Beers and and the internet uh, beer sellers. So uh, so so back to the saison. Yeah, the saison. Uh, couldn't find any in the actual in the fridge. Any international saison. Couldn't find so, the international one. So what have um, you brought for a South African? So saison? I brought three uh, South African ones. There's another one which I was very sad not to get, um, which is is my favourite South African saison, uh, Devil's Peak. So so Devil's Peak's uh, saison. They were probably the first. I speak under correction, and I'm sure that one of our listeners might be uh, correcting me soon. But the, the, the first saison South African crop brewers produced was from there, and it was called Silver Tree, and they're still bringing it out. They don't, they don't seem to bring it out a lot. In, uh, I don't think it's their largest production beer, uh, but it's got a following, and I'm certainly one of the people following it. And it's a fantastic example of international style. It's, it's really kind of a very to-the-point Saison. And, and maybe we should also talk about the whole thing about styles and how, mm-hmm. how beers fit to style or don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, what you just said begs the question, what does a to-the-point beer mean? You know, well, well you... that's the thing. And, I, you know, and I've, I've, been th- I've been seeing a lot of that coming around. So, look, there's, there's a, an institution in America called the BJCP, which is, I think, short for Beer Judging Certificate Program. Um, and they certify beer judges. That's they one of the mm. institutes which are most commonly certifying beer judges. This isn't the mythical thing that you. It's not the other have, one. No. So the Siebel, the Siebel Institute's another one. So University they, of Arizona. Siebel Institute is an institute which trains people how to brew beer, and and they one of one of a few institutes around the world which which train brewers. Um, but the BJCP is probably the most known one in South Africa. 
So a lot of homebrewers will will go through BJCP training to to get their palates right and to understand styles of beer and to be beer judges at beer competitions. Um, and that's what you would normally do. And the BJCP have an official guide to styles. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and we'll probably have to make a note of all the things I'm going <laughs> to promise you, people to you, put in the show notes. <laughs> all the things we put in the show notes, we should um, probably put in the show notes. So, you know, the, and it's free. You can download it. There's even an app for your phone, which you can you can uh, consult. So the BJC styles are very comprehensive, and it tells you a lot of uh, stuff about it. But the the problem I have with, with becoming too wedded to those things is that craft brewers in general are people who are supposed to push the envelope for sure. beer. We're supposed to be making beer, which which is tasty and, and special and different from what you can get from macro brewers. And sure, you know, styles play a role. And, and it's nice to know what style you're drinking because as a beer judge, it, it helps you judge that beer to see whether it's accomplished what it's set out mm-hmm. to do. But like anything, it should more, I think, more be like a guideline than a set in stone rule system because, you know, sure, then it becomes be silly. room for creativity. Sure, and, and I think there's also a difference between home brewers and craft brewers. You know, home brewers are trying to perfect their hobby they're trying to get better at brewing beer and so it helps them to understand styles and try and nail those styles when they brew a beer to see if they can do it that's great and that helps you become a better brewer but if you're a craft brewer being constantly judged against some style bible is also intensely fucking irritating sure, sure. because the, the the thing which craft brewers are trying to do is they sure they're trying to, to bring styles to the public which are not commonly available and and expand your knowledge of craft beer but they're also trying to play with styles, and they're mm. trying to expand the style categories. Mm, sure. So I've seen out there in, in beer rating websites and, and, and you know, in the ether, you know, you get occasionally the art home brewer or the BJCP judge who really kind of nails people on not being to style. You know, sure, they, not being perfectly they, on they the become like Exactly, and they become like all monitors of style. You know, it's, it's just as irritating as the all monitors which we had at school. <laughs> Who told you you're not allowed to bunk, you know, crappy glass, <laughs> and you know, went and tattletailed on you because you smoked behind the, you know, tennis court wall? It's just as dumb. I mean, it's there is no police to style and beer. One of the wonderful things about beer is we can do whatever we like. Yeah, we're not. Uh, yeah, exactly. We're not under the the Reinheitsgebot of Germany where we can only put very few things in the beer. You know, beer is a wonderful beverage, and it, it deserves to. To have a lot of different experimentation done to it, and to see what you can push it to. Sure, but um, see, so, where the, see where the flavor takes you for sure. So that's my little rant on beers, and it, it's it's really also part of beer snobbery, which is something I'd like to talk about a lot during the show. Is it, which which harms the industry more than anything else because it it frightens people away from craft beer. If I don't think that I can have a craft beer without actually having the right qualifications, mm. or if the whole well, thing seems too threatening to me. I'm not going to understand this beer. Sure. And I mean, Matt, I think you said it to me a few times when we started talking about doing this podcast and also just talking about beer, which we do often, uh, is, yeah, sometimes it can be intimidating. Mm. Sometimes it's not that much fun if you feel that you don't know what you're doing. Sure. And, sure. and I think that's very dangerous to the industry. I think we should encourage people to drink more craft beer, not yeah. put up barriers to it and, and say, well, you know, you don't really know what you're talking about. Sure. I, I think there's also a fine line between, you know, between that element of being open and accepting and uh, understanding that, you know, beer is good in general 
Um, and on the other hand, you know, there are, there's also some really bad craft beer out there. You Absolutely. Know? Um, and I think the education aspect of it comes in at that point in time where, sure, understand what your beer is and understand what your beer does and how it tastes, but have a relatively critical palate about it. You know? Absolutely. And I think that's part of the thing we want to develop in the show is, is talk about that and, and help listeners to develop their palates. Because the other thing which harms craft beer, and probably a little bit more than what I said earlier about you know, the beer snobs, would be bad craft beer. Yeah. People who brew bad beer, which and what I mean by bad is off beer, beer which actually is flawed, that harms the industry as well. Mm. And I often used to say when I was running Hate City, and I still do today, is that this, we're not competing as craft brewers, we're not competing against each other. We're competing against bad beer. Because mm. bad beer will scare people right out of the category of craft beer back into the arms of the macro-brewed beer, which does not have flaws. Absolutely. Um, it's easy to drink a castle light because each castle light is the same as the last castle light. And it's, it's flawless. And, and that is really yeah. uh, something. You know, they produce flawless beers. Which means very, something very, very different in, the, in this aspect rather than in the aspect that it couldn't get any better. Sure. There's a difference in the quality of a beer <laughs> versus the flawedness of a beer. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something we want to talk about. And, and we will be uh, exposing bad craft beer in the show. Oh, intrigue. Yes, yes. Naming and shaming. Right, well, let's get back to the Saison, now that you've... Totally gone, sidetracked. Totally gone on, on a fucking total tangent. Sorry, there. Talk to us about the Saison. Okay, so Saison. So it, it originated in Wallonia, which is a region in France, northern France. And the, the story behind it, and like many beer stories, there's probably some grain of truth to it, but some considerable larger grain of myth to it is that the farmers used to make this beer for harvest periods where they could they could maybe pay or refresh their workers in the fields with this beer. Um, it traditionally was lower in alcohol than we see now in the craft beer uh, market because I, I don't think farmers wanted their workers to, you know... Get hammered while, <laughs> while operating machinery. Yeah. Well, I, I think back then they were probably... The machinery was o- operating the... Operating an ox. The arm. The Mark One arm with, with <laughs> ox. And uh, so they so use this beer as a, a refreshment. Uh, they they probably... And if you look at some of the beer history behind it, they probably stuck just about any any anything they had left to, in terms of grain and in terms of herbs and stuff in that beer to make it palatable. Um, so I suspect that the ancients... You know, form of saison is probably quite different from our modern versions. Um, they probably more used herbs than hops to bitter out the beer because it was cheaper. And traditionally, in in, in olden times, before hops became a, a major part of beer, the the people who made beer used a lot of herbs, especially the bitter kind of herbs like uh, bog myrtle and uh, rosemary and those sort of really bitter dandelion. Herbs. Dandelion, probably. Well, this is if this is provincial France we're talking about, then there was probably a bouquet garnet somewhere in a pot. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, cover you know, that in yeast. We're talking about the French here, you know. Bouquet garnet <laughs> is, is eventually going to end up eating it. You, you're gonna, you're gonna have to you know, use every part of the animal, <laughs> so, <laughs> even the bits that smell. Yeah, especially those. Bits. Especially the bits <laughs> that that'll smell. make you strong. So, so that's the saison, and and some of the unique characteristics. And I'm not going to bore listeners with all BJCP rundown. No, style. I, I think yeah, the important thing is what makes a saison fundamentally different from another style of beer. Sure, I think the main difference would be in the yeast. So saison yeast is very specific to that region, and yeast is a major contributor to beer flavor. So it's 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 a sixty percent, roughly about sixty percent of the flavor of beer would, would be contributed by uh, the yeast you use. 
And the Saisonese is very specific to that style. It's very dry. In other words, it dries out to be quite considerably. It, it ferments a lot. Um, and, and so you don't have a lot of residual sweetness in the beer. And that has also got the effect of having a dry body. So it has a dryness to the, to the taste, which I like. I love beers that finish really dry. Mm. Um, it's also got a spiciness to it. So it's got a bit of a funky spiciness to it. Um, some people might even say some barnyard kind of flavors. <laughs> um, but it's not quite that hectic. I mean, I, I think there are other styles which, which push that envelope much more. Uh, the Saison is much more center of the road in terms of the, the funkiness of the, the flavors. It's much more spicy and peppery. Um, often Saisons are brewed with, uh, with wheat as well as barley. So it is a, a, a wheat, it's not a wheat beer because it's mostly barley with some wheat added. But you can also do a Saison without wheat. Well, is that funkiness, uh, that farmyard funkiness, uh, a throwback to that herby kind of influence? I'm not sure. I, th- I think it's because mostly in the, in the old times, uh, a lot of the beers were fermented with wild yeast, which was just drifting around in the fields. Mm. Uh, because back then, they didn't even know that yeast existed. Like Lambic beer, which is just basically the exactly. atmospheric yeast. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there are many different beers which are fermented with wild yeasts. Um, and the Saison yeasts have now been cultivated and produced in laboratories, but their lineage is wild yeast. Mm. And, and wild yeast tends to have a funkier, more spicy uh, different kind of flavor to the more commercially cultivated yeast. That's the bacteria I want. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's what I want to have in my beer. Yeah. Give me the funky bacteria. <laughs> yeah, so, so you do get, uh, you get Brettas, uh, I can't pronounce that word, Brett is the short, shortened version. So Brett is actually a bacteria which you can flavor alcoholic beverages with in some of the... Brett. Brett, yeah. Um, it's, like, it's Brettanus like sanomites or something, I, I can't pronounce it. Uh. Um, and that's, that's something you find a lot in, in your sour beers and your lambic beers. Brett sounds like a chav bacteria. It's, it, it, it might be similar or related. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that lambic, the lambic quality in beers, when you, when you taste a lambic beer, the sourness, that comes from an actual bacterial um, you know, infection, if you like, but it's, it's encouraged in that style. But Saison's uh, you know, flavor mostly comes from yeast, not from any – there shouldn't really be any Brett in Saison. Although some people might disagree. But the, the Saison for me, the characteristic is it's a very dry finishing beer. It's spicy. It's, it's quite light in terms of its body. Um, and it's very refreshing. Um, it can be high in alcohol, so it, it, you have to watch how many you have. Uh, but it's overall a very, very interesting style of beer. It also, just for the beer geeks out there and the homebrewers, it ferments at very high temperatures, this yeast. Um, uncharacteristically high temperatures for yeast. So that contributes to how dry the style is and, and some of the, the, the qualities, the fruity qualities of a Saison comes from that high fermentation temperature. So that's Saison. That's rad, man. Can we drink it? We can. So we're going we're gonna, to... I'm just going to grab into our magical cooler of beer. Giant here. box of beer. Yeah, I brought a giant box of beer. So I'm just going to randomly pick one for the first try and uh, we're going to try a... A local ah. yokel uh, from the Mabaleng precinct. Smack. Yeah, Smack. Smack Republic. And they're a, a, a tiny outfit there in Mabaleng in, uh, near Arts on Main in Joburg. For those of you who are tuning in from Cape Town, we also have nice things here. <laughs> we have cool things too. Yeah. People got, like our things. We've got art and shit. We've got people with books. So I'm going to open it. Hopefully it's not going to spray all over the studio. In yes. Case. Please make sure you point it at the mixing console. All right, so I've opened it. I heard a hiss. That's always good. Yeah. So we're having their Mabaneng Maverick, which is their saison. It's uh, it's clocking in at it's clocking in at 
4.1% ABV. So it is a little bit on the lighter it's alcohol a bit, side. Yeah, and I would say that's probably appropriate in some ways to a traditional saison. So we're going we're gonna to have some of that. It pours quite a lot like a lager. Yeah, it's, it's got a light straw-like color. It's, it's really clear, which is nice to see. Uh, so, and clear beer is important, you know. Please don't, if you are new to craft beer and, and you're tuning in, don't believe people who tell you when they serve you a very cloudy beer that it's supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like that. Very few styles of beer cl- call for cloudiness. Clear, crystal clear beer is a sign of a good beer, in my estimation. And so, so don't buy that BS, man. Uh, and that's part of this whole thing Matt and I have been talking about. Is, is uh, you know, People who are uneducated about yeah, craft beer education. will try and fool you into having a bad beer and say, oh, no, but it's craft. So it's supposed to taste yeah. like my granny's armpit. Absolutely, yeah. You, you, you think it tastes bad because you don't understand it. Yeah. If, if beer tastes bad, you... That's not because you you don't understand it. It's because it's a bad beer. You know, things taste good or bad. I mean, it's not. Mm. You might not be able to detect which beer you're having, sure. and you know, you can't necessarily say it's the second barrel from the right. You know, in the the second tier of the basement sure. which produced this. But good is good, and bad is bad. Absolutely. And and if if something is so bad, that and or complex that you will only know how good it is if you now understand it after five yeah, years if of you study. Understand the history of everything. It's that probably ever went just into. bullshit. Yeah, you know, they're still good and they're still bad. If something sure. tastes really off to you, it's probably off. Sure, and you should trust your senses. If you buy a bottle of wine, uh, you don't have to know what vineyard it came from or what style of wine it is. If it tastes like vinegar, it's off. It's off. Yeah, you know that wine is not supposed to taste like vinegar. Yeah, and so you can't be fooled into saying no. But this is a craft wine. You just need to understand yeah. it more. No, that's just beer. Okay, so let's uh, let's have some of this beer. We should probably not drink at the same time. <laughs> then there's perhaps, dead air. Perhaps some of us should speak while I just down this. <laughs> so, mm. and I, I can taste that crisp. You can taste the crispness. Absolute crispness. It finishes quite dry, but also not as bad as I thought. You know, I, I also I prefer drier styles, but you know that's not terrible. It doesn't strip my mouth. It's yeah. not that level of dry. No, it doesn't completely dry out. And there are much drier saisons on the market than this one. Um. I don't know what yeast they're using or anything. We, we probably should also start connecting with the brewers and asking them more questions sure. about that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, but actually, overall, not bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's going more towards the funky side of things than a typical Saison for me. And it's got a slightly cidery feel to it. I, I was going to say, you know, almost a cidery kind of finish off there. I mean, the carbonation, I mean, it's, it's, this seems quite carbonated. Yeah, so Saisons a- tend to be quite carbonated. And, and the carbonation level of a beer is one of its characteristics. And Saisons tend to be quite highly carbonated. Like many wheat-based beers, they, they tend to be highly carbonated. Um, but again, the Saison is supposed to be a summertime refreshing beer. So high carbonation mm. is called for because it sort of cleans your palate. Mm, sure. Um, and it, it makes you feel more refreshed. I can see this as like a you know a laborious summer afternoon mm. beer. I can, I can honestly understand that. The crispness, the carbonation, it is quite refreshing. Um, it's delicious cold. It's nice that it's... It has to be cold. You know, sure. it, I, I think this, if it was warm, would be a little bit heavier. Mm. Um, I'm not getting a lot of the funkiness. I mean, the, I, I understand that there's a lot of muddle and uh, flavor in the middle there, um, but not overly so. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of a, an, a cidery feel. So this could be a flaw. I'm not sure. I don't want to pronounce it. By having just one sip or a couple yeah. of sips of this beer. Good job on your shit beer, guys. Yeah, no, and I, I, I know the guys from Smack Republic reasonably well. Shout out to all of you, and 
they're serious about their beer, so they take it quite seriously, mm. and and they they're in it for the right reason. So, I think that that what we want to do on this podcast also is give people the benefit of the doubt. When we review beers, which is a different section um, on the podcast, we'll we'll go a little more intensely into whether it's flawed or not, and so on. But even then, I think if we find a flawed beer, I'd like to institute some sort of procedure where we we then maybe we'll we'll put that on hold for future podcasts and then give it another go. Give it another go, get different samples from different places because not, you know, it's not always the brewer, it's sometimes the place who stores the beer and and get some feedback from the brewer as well because I think one of the things I'd like to test in this podcast is how receptive brewers in South Africa are to feedback from consumers. because um, it's a real issue also if you if you now happen to connect to someone a brewer on Facebook and you say look I had your beer it tasted really off to me, mm. and they either don't respond or they respond very sure. defensively. Sure, and they tell you to go, you know, get stuffed. Well, I mean, you've had that experience with Hate City. I mean, you've mm. had one or two of those bottles that went out, and yeah, you know, they, it wasn't up to standard. And you had a couple of, of customers sure. come back and say, "This isn't what you know. This yeah. isn't what it's supposed to be." And then I, I mean, sent my guy over with a baseball bat, and we never heard from them again. Great, so yeah. uh, very effective, <laughs> very effective. I mean, you probably sure. lost a couple of sales there, but so you won't get a, you won't get another you won't get another complaint. Yeah, you won't complain anymore from that <laughs> but no but here, yeah you have to respond to it and and sometimes you know that it's not your beer it's the the place that's stored at because in the same batch everything else is fine and, and you know for a fact that maybe the liquor store owner put it on the shelf outside of the fridge for like you know two weeks during the hottest part of summer it's not going to do well yeah um so yeah so that's one of the things i'd like us to do in the podcast is if we do find bad beer not to immediately go and you know, yeah, go rip, on about rip it. Rip everyone off. But give everyone a fair chance because it's, it's still a fledgling industry and, and bad reviews can damage people. Sure. Uh, but on the other hand, bad beer can damage the industry. So, so I mean, that, that raises quite an interesting question, which is that if, you know, say we're sitting here and we're going through our beers and we're drinking something and, and there is there, there are flaws as far mm. as we can see or as far as you can see because I'm just going to drink it. Um, <laughs> but uh, how, how often is that flaw down to a mistake on the part of the brewer and how often mm. is it down to the brewer not actually understanding what he's doing? Mm, that's a good question. Um, it's difficult to tell. I mean, you know, I do think there are a lot of people in craft beer right now who, who haven't got a lot of experience in brewing beer. And, and and you see that a lot. I mean, I teach classes in how to brew also occasionally. Um, and when I teach people how to brew, I often get the question, Right off the bat, so I would be teaching a group of people who've never brewed beer before, who've only brewed one beer in their life, and and then I would immediately get the question from them like, okay, I want to start a microbrewery. How do I do it? Yeah, and it's sort of you know you've jumped the gun by several years sure. in that question um, sure. because it takes several years to master anything. Mm. Um, you know, it's that old ten thousand hours thing, sure. and you get a lot of people now who don't want to put in those ten thousand hours and get good at something, and they just want to start a microbrewery and they're going to muddle along and. Mm. And and I think th- so. There's this, there's a level of incompetence to some brewers, which probably are bringing out bad beers. Right. But sure, even really good brewers will make a mistake occasionally. Yeah. But having said that, you should be a good enough brewer to know not to put that out to public. Yeah. And yeah. You should have a relatively extensive process of tasting that beer and understanding it, and before it ever you know leaves your floor. Absolutely. And and you should yeah. have the courage to dump a lot of beer, a lot of money down the drain if it mm-hmm. if it happens not to be okay. Yeah. And that's difficult because brewers sometimes also are a bit blind to their own beers. You know, yeah. they have them and they go, oh, it's okay, you know, I can, I can live with it. Yeah. But it's not the same. And um, you have to be uh, pretty disciplined as a brewer. Sure. 
So one of the things which, which I'm helping some brewers with now is, is setting up things like sensory panels where you actually have a panel of people who are not the brewer themselves tasting your beer for consistency mm. and flaws so that mm. you don't have to be the only judge of it. Mm. And, and sensory panels are a great way of controlling for quality. Sure. Unfortunately, when you ask a lot of brewers out there in South Africa, do you have sensory panels, they'll say, no, what's that? So that's a problem. It means they are the only judge of their beer. Yeah. That's never a good idea. And you have to allow for some kind of audience subjectivity as well. You've got to. And, and sensory panels are often chock-a-block full of BJCP judges and Siebel Institute judges. and So they know how to judge beer. So they can tell you, look, this, this batch is different to the, the previous batch. Mm. Here's why. Or this one is off. You've got to dump it. Sorry. I suppose that's something we're going to speak about quite a lot, you know, during this run is is consistency because mm. you know that's something that we've we've definitely seen a lot of. That definitely there's in, uh, an inconsistency to this batch of beer, this bottle of beer, this you know even between between bottles mm. we buy at a pub. For sure, and I, I think there's some inconsistencies which you should expect from a, an organic product like beer. Um, there's inconsistencies in any beverage made from organic products. You know, wine's the same. Uh, but it shouldn't be so different as to not be recognizably the mm. same kind of beer. That's that's a little bit too far out. All right, so take us take us back to the saison. Yeah, um, you've we're given back us, to the saison. We're back to the saison. Saison. Um, I feel like I have to speak in some sort of Maurice de Chevalier <laughs> accent when I. You're, when you're I, coming off a little bit. Uh, what's the skunk? <laughs> the, uh, the rapey. The rapey skunk. skunk. Thanks a lot for that. That's powerful. Le peu. Yeah, Pepe le peu. So I'm I'm digging into our magical bag of beer. Okay, so that, that that's the that's the smack saison. It's smack. And we've smacked it. Now. W- what have we What have we come out with now? A very okay. intimidating looking bottle. So it's say. a big bottle, and uh, it's it's a and and this is actually a great example of someone who's played with the style a little bit. It's not, you know, it, it'll upset the the BJCP purists a little bit, I guess. And this is a, a great beer which I had first at the bar, uh, at the brewery, uh, Darling Brewery in the Cape. Western Cape, in the lovely city, city town of uh, Darling. And it's called Long Claw. It's got a really cool picture of a, a lion on it, which I dig. There's some good branding on that. Good branding. Yeah. And, and actually, when we review the beers we're going to review today, I'm gonna, we're going to talk a bit about branding as well, because I think that's part yeah. of the experience of craft beer. And as we've uh, you know, discovered in our own marketing efforts with sure. Hate City and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's also very often overlooked. People Absolutely. think they can put out a beer... Um, and people will just drink it. Yeah, it's a common myth in, in brewers generally who think that, you know, often brewers who've transitioned out of home brewing into being professional brewers, that they kind of have this idea that beer sells itself because, you oh, know, that it's phrase. beer. That phrase. It's that phrase which I hate, right? Nothing sells itself. N- nothing sells itself. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any competition. M- medical care. Yeah, and even then, mm. you can choose between, you know, <laughs> whether you want to go to sure. this hospital or that hospital. So it's uh, nothing sells itself. Sorry, I've poured like a complete idiot. Uh, there's a lot of head there. That's, yeah. a, that's about half a beer and half a head. I know. Oh, it's good head. It's good to have head, even in beer. So, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure if that was innuendo. Yeah. I can't tell anymore. It's everything we say has got some sort of double meaning. So, so this one, they call it a modern uh, saison. So they're obviously giving us a bit of a clue to say, oh, we've played with it a yeah, bit. Yeah, we've done something. Uh, this is actually a collaboration um, between uh, Darling and a brewery called Sunset uh, from Brazil, it seems to me. And oh. they they don't have uh, wheat in this saison, so it's, it's not got no wheat in it. It's only barley. barley. And 
It's I I love this beer actually. It's one of it's probably at the moment my favorite beer from Darling. They they've got Citra single dry hop on the label, so they've used the hop called Citra, um, uh, which is a very distinctive hop. It's it's very lemony in its flavor, and they've dry hopped it, which is a particular technique where you put hops in the fermenter. So while the beer is fermenting, you put hops in as well, and it really punches out that that you hop can, flavor you can you can smell the sharper notes for sure and it's, it's a lovely bit of citrus at the top there a lot of citrus uh you can see a lot of carbonation um again you know nice golden color nice golden color nice and clear maybe a yeah slightly cloudy and i was gonna say maybe a little bit cloudier yeah. than the but that's appropriate for something which has been dry hopped so when you dry hop a beer you often get a slight cloudiness which actually um is appropriate for something which has been dry hopped uh but it's pretty much see-through it's just slightly cloudy we're gonna taste it now <laughs> that that's the silence you're hearing mm. right now i just love this beer i mean it's the citra hop is very lemony uh, yeah. lemon grass actually yeah is a common uh, word used to describe it and i can I, in in this one i can definitely feel that funk a little bit more a little bit more yeah, pronounced for sure um there's an earthiness to the beer, which, sure. which is not off. It's just the earthy, barnyardy yeah. kind of thing going on. And But the citra hop really punches out nicely. It's very lemony. It's got a lovely aroma. This is going to go exceptionally well with any kind of Eastern food you're going to put it to because it's got that lemongrass flavor. So this this in a curry would be exceptional, top notch. Exceptional. And it's got a right amount of carbonation. Oh, very nice. It's, it's very well balanced as well for me. I just love this beer. I, I now tell us what you feel about this beer, Marcel. <laughs> yeah, no, be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Darling Brewery have sent a check, which goes to the person. Thank you, who Darling. I will be cashing most... that check shortly to have that operation. I need. <laughs> um, we all know what that operation is. Don't don't tell anyone. No, no. So that's I, yeah, that's really delicious. Uh, I mean, Darling's gotten a little bit of stick lately. I've noticed that in the beer circles, that people are sort of nailing them a little bit and saying, you know, Darling doesn't produce any good beer. I think they've had some production issues when they transitioned from being a contract uh, brew outfit to being their own brewery again. So they used to be brewed by um, Boston breweries down in Pardon Island in, in the Western Cape, and then they for a very long time. And they, they, then they've eventually decided, okay, we've got enough money now, we're going to build our own brewery in Darling, and they did. And it's a stunningly beautiful brewery for those of you who haven't been. It's got an attached restaurant pub which serves some excellent food. It's it's just a beautiful place to go visit. I mean, Darling itself as a town is also just great. Mm. Um, and I think they've – so I think some of it's probably justified. But on another level, I think it's this typical thing we see where it's like when people, you know, suddenly stop listening to a band, band when they go mainstream. Yeah, I was, I was going to say there's a popularity issue here. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, Darling is everywhere. You know, you can hardly – in yeah. Joburg, they've got great penetration. Yeah. and. It's a little bit of that, you know, uh, the beer's now got, I mean, the band's gone mainstream, so I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah, them. I liked them when they were indie. Yeah, I was one of the first guys to listen uh, to it. I preferred when Darling just released Water. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's a little bit of that. Um, but the size of the brewery does not make it a craft brewery or not. It's the ingredients, it's the care, it's other things. And yeah. we'll talk about definition of craft. It's something I feel very passionate about. Um, I've, I've already written a few things on it. God, so many things. I know, so many things. Uh, so many things. Uh, too many opinions, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you've got an outlet to tell other people about Finally. it. Finally. Finally, it's not just me. There's nothing you can do to stop me unless you <laughs> switch off the podcast. Don't do that. So that's darling. I, I think they're still producing good beer. Um, 
I think they've sometimes been a little bit cautious. Uh, they haven't, but they, they certainly, I've seen beers come out there now recently where you can see they're experimenting, they're having fun. Um, you know, I, I also drank a double IPA from them, which I'm not sure is in the bottle. I think you can only have it on tap at the brewery or certain places, and it's an amazing beer. So well done to Darling for this saison. I like it. Long claw. Long claw, yeah. So if it's, you want to, if you want to taste a slightly different kind of saison, try try it out. Where where would you say the experimentation is coming from uh, in in this? Look, it's it's they're the using citra, which is a, a much is is that the kind of novel and dry hopping. You don't normally dry hop uh, saison. Saisons aren't supposed to be very hopped. They they're supposed to be quite balanced. So the hops is not a forward taste in the saison. It's mostly the yeast. Sure. And you want to afford that spiciness. It's good beer, man. But what they've done here is they've they've dry hopped it. They've put much more hops in than normal, and they've tried a, a hop which is more associated with uh, your American style IPAs and APAs. Um, so a lot of the American hops are very citrusy in their flavour and tropical. Yeah. And so they've combined a bit of an American feel, or in this case, I guess a South American feel, um, with with a traditional saison, and it's it's pairing really well. Mm. If you hop up a saison a little bit, it actually does really well. Yeah, which is your IPA side there. Yeah, and and it's just it's a lovely little beer. So that's that's a nice one from uh, Darling. Have you ever been to Darling, uh, Matt? Um, I've barely been to Cape Town. I've barely been to the Western Cape. I I'm very intimidated by the people there. Why, why do they intimidate you so? Um, do you know what? Um, I think that I have a unbelievably overbearing sense of my own worth. Um, mm. And yeah, Cape Tonians, yeah, and and Cape Tonians are very, very good at making me realize that. Um, you just shit. That I, yeah, I really, mm. I'm really not all. Everything that. you think you're good at is just. I'm really not second all that. tier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, what, uh, Joe Burgers and and you know. I'd like to say my group of friends in particular, but I think it's everybody who lives in Joburg. Uh, we give we give the Cape a lot of shit, um, yeah. and it's it's justified to ourselves. But I mean, Cape Town's such a beautiful place. Um, the people mm. are surprisingly actually friendly. I know they can be clicky, and I've got I've got Joburg friends who moved mm. down there, and they immediately became clicky as well. But so been, I've never experienced that in the Cape, and I lived down there for a while, and I never experienced that clickiness. Maybe it was like Stockholm syndrome. Maybe because you were involved in the clickiness, you couldn't see it. I was part of the click. I you was part the of the click. You were the, you were the click. You are the people your parents warned you about. Won't be the first. But I mean, yeah. Other than that, no, I haven't. I haven't been to Darling. Um, I, normally, that side of the Cape is something that I'm driving through very rapidly um, to get to an international airport or something sure. like that. Um, well, if if you like good little towns, you should give it a try sometime. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is like TripAdvisor on top of everything yes, else. Yes. Yes. I promise I'm not getting paid for any of this. <laughs> this 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 podcast is in fact completely unsponsored. Well, it's, I guess it's sponsored by my wallet as well yeah. as Matt's wallet, but yeah. that's not really sponsorship. So, no. so so what do you think of the? Tell me what you think of Long Claw Saison. No, I I think I think it's delicious. Um, it, it's definitely. I mean, I, once again, I've got to work in comparisons here. Uh, you know, having had this Mac and then having this one. Um, I, I, I far more taste the the funkiness you're talking about. I know, you know, we keep mm. using that word, but there's definitely a a muddle of it's bitter flavors. Yeah, again, which is such a ridiculous term, and um, it's hard to get away. Horse blanket, <laughs> titty fly. Um, it's 
You know, it's 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 strange because I, I do find those kind of terms very wanky. You know, mm. you hear them when people taste wine and they go, yeah. you know, there's these bottom notes of black currants, asshole. And well, let's like, let's talk about that because that's an interesting one. I mean, you you seem to say it's pretentious to say those things. No, what I'm saying is that it seems pretentious to mm. say those things, but when you actually are trying to understand and analyze mm. a beer or a wine or something like this. You, you actually do kind of realize that you're at a loss for conventional words. Sure. And you do start referring to these stupid abstract mm. kind of things like this tastes like, you know, moon cavity and, yes. you know. And, being and, slapped in the face by your mother-in-law uh, late yes. in the, on a Sunday morning. Yes, it's like being covered in jam and then eating a dog. It's, yes. it's, it, it's these stupid things. Not but, to be recommended, by the way. No, no. That, that was last Sunday. Um, weirdly enough, you know, it, it gives you a context to start speaking from. I think that's all it is. You know, uh, taken to extremes, obviously, it can be very poncy and pretentious. Yeah. But I think it's just giving you a bit of a vocabulary to explain taste. And and to understand taste mm. to an extent that you can either judge a beer by its own merits or, uh, perhaps more importantly, knowing what you like and knowing what mm. to look out for in the next beer you're going to have. Correct. And so if you know, oh, I like citrusy, dry uh, flavors and beer, barnyard metal flavors. Yeah, I like I like the horse blanket. The, yeah, the, um, <laughs> then then I know certain styles of beer are going to be nice for me, and certain ones won't. Yeah. So that's really all we're trying to achieve here with these words. Um, they are fun. They're fun to create, and yeah. I think again, taken to extremes, they can be can be pretentious and can scare people away. But it's also stupid to keep on saying something tastes like beer. What does it yeah. taste like? Beer. This is a very beerish beer. This beer is more beery than the beer well, that we had that's earlier that's what you on. end up with. You know, it tastes like beer. It tastes like beer. Yeah. It's like barley fermented yeah. with hops. No, and, 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 and I, I agree with you there. And, and, you know, believe me, I'm the the first one to call out a bit of kind of wanky language when it happens. But We'll, yeah. we'll rely on you for that throughout the uh, <laughs> I'll be the, the first season. one to tell you when you're being a wanker. Um, but, and yeah, I, I think at that point, uh, you know, tasting the beer, I've got to say, you know, I understand the – the the vocabulary that you're using and i do and i taste it more with the with the mm. darling um the smack you know there was hints of that yeah but it f- much further back sure i think um, darling is also drier it's, it finishes drier which is probably why i like it so much yeah yeah i, sure. I just dig dryness i mean in a beer i just love it i don't know if you want to do a third do you have a third we do why don't we have a third let's dig into our magic bag again yes and yes. here we're going to bring out another joburg one um so it's kind of nice also to see that Joburg is really starting to up its game with beer. I mean, it, it used to be that you could hardly find sure. a craft beer from Joburg. Everything um, happened towards the coast. Yeah. I mean, it all started, I think, I think the oldest craft brewery in, in South Africa has got to be Mitchell's, mm. who started down in Eisner. And then up here in Joburg, the first one was Gilroy's. Um, an institution. An institution. And many people will cite, I will cite, uh, Steve Gilroy is my inspiration for starting in beer. Um, he also, by the way, was the lead guitarist for a band uh, called <laughs> Suck, which I think we should play on the show. Yeah, I think let's get some And I think we here. should dedicate a show to Steve Gilroy. Yeah. We should probably get him on the line yeah. and interview him while playing Suck. But you can you can see that with, uh, with Gilroy. I mean, uh, you know, he's such an entertainer. Oh, you know, you go and spend a, a Sunday there, mm. endure his poetry, um, <laughs> his, his sure. horrific uh, attempts at humor. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really part of that entertainment. It um, is. And I think the beer is an extension of that. You know, yeah. you can see that he likes, 
he likes people to drink his beer. He likes people to be there and having a good time. No, he does. And Steve is great. And I think we'll get him on the show. If he's, he's sometimes a little bit, a little bit shy, if, if you can believe that. Um, but I think if we if we tempt him with beer and women, wine, woman, and song, he he'll come. Um, so I got completely sidetracked. Okay, so I was saying that that there are more and more yeah. Joburg breweries, um, and here's another one, a new one, Agar's Brewery. So they in Kaya Sands in Joburg. It's an industrial area uh, in Joburg. Uh, Captainians probably think the entire job is an industrial area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one giant industrial yeah, complex. Just factories it's everywhere. Just warehouses and dirt. So, so Agars, you know, they, as the name proclaims, they're very proud of their family history. Uh, and they bring out a lot of different beers. They've got several styles they bring out. And I like that about a craft brewery, which, which has the courage to, to bring out a, Several styles of beer, and it also it, it also tells you that they like playing and they like experimenting. You know, it's it's tough to bring out different styles commercially because it, it means you you've got to buy way more ingredients and you've got a, a lot of more a lot more moving parts. Mm. But well done for Agars. In, in and so this one we're trying now is called the White Dog Saison. White Dog. White Dog. Okay, so again, same color as the others. It's, yep. it's got a nice straw yellow, quite clear. Carbonation. Good carbonation. Slightly less of a head. I'm not sure if that's in your pouring or not. Mm. It could be my glasses. Um, mm. So that signs, uh, listeners, mm. uh, that would be me and Matt drinking. <sighs> um, a little bit bitterer. A little bit more bitter. Bit more is, bitter. Is, bit, is bitter a word? Can I use the word bitter? You, uh, you've just created it. <laughs> I, I don't right. see why you shouldn't use it. All right. It. Well, this beer is bitterer than the last beer. Yes, it is more bitter. So they've they've hopped it up a little bit yep. as well. I I would suspect they're using South African hops because it's got that slightly. South African hops has a very specific uh, flavor profile for me. It's it's kind of grassy, a little bit harsh, but again, that the, you've got that barnyard flavors coming yeah. through. Yeah, not as intense, uh, but it's in the background, and and immediately, immediately distinct from uh, the darling in terms yes. of lacking that citrus notes. No citrus top. notes, and also not as dry. And I, and I think that's that's why I like Darling's one. And and unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't get Silver Tree from uh, Devil's Peak. But but I think one of what I look for in a, in a why why I would put a saison in a glass for me, and why I would Selected is, is the dry finish, mm. and I like a super. And saison is one of the driest beers you can find. So, so for me, a saison is, is sort of synonymous with that really nice dry finish. And and unfortunately, I don't I don't pick that up enough in agars, but I don't know. It's much more balanced in terms of sweetness versus yeah. dryness. Yeah, that, I was going to um, say that it's actually got a slight sweetness to it, uh, which is interesting. And so there's some residual sweetness here, mm. which you don't find a lot in saison. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, good, and, good drinking beer. Well, uh, definitely darker as well. I mean, is that the influence of the hops? No, that would be the malts. So the malts would really impart the color to the beer. Mm. Um, so mostly Saison is, is pale barley malt and some wheat. And so, you know, those, those barleys have almost no color. They, they just give you that straw-like um, color. Yeah. I just want to see if they've got wheat in there. They don't. So, so this is just barley. Um, wheat, wheat malt also is very light in color. 
So if you've got a bit of wheat in your in your saison, it will be lighter in color. And I, I think the the Devil's Peak, for instance, has wheat in it. It's very light in color, but very dry, uh, very spicy. So yeah, so this is good. I mean, this is nice. But I like you say, it's very very well balanced. Mm. I mean, it, it's 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 weird, especially us having discussed things like um, to the style and and sure. things like that. That you know the the darling, which is a little bit mm. more maverick. Yes. Um, is is to you know to the two of us more satisfying, more satisfying beer. You know, it's not a mm. typical saison, but exactly. it, you know, both of us are, are you know, there's a, it's a lot cleaner, it's a lot drier, um, and those citrus notes are delicious. Um, exactly. Whereas this one, which is a balanced beer and probably a little bit more conventional, mm. um, while still good, is yeah. is is not really kicking me in the nuts. I think that's the thing, and I, I think that's maybe where the style policeman thing comes in. Is if if there's a core aspect to a style. That's what I want to see. If you call that beer of yours that style, mm. I'm, I'm seeking out that core aspect of the style, mm. the distinctive aspect of the sure. style. Sure, But pl- you can play around with everything else, but, sure. but maintain that core aspect. And I think that's... And that's what the darling does so well. Sure. It finish, it's got that dry spiciness, which I sure. think is Saison. Mm. Um, nowadays also, and we'll talk about that in a, in a future episode, is... Um, if you hear me uh, lose my words because of <laughs> the carbonation it's coming back to me. A lot of me. gas. It's a very gassy podcast. Um, Which so, is uh, one of the possible names, by the way. Exactly. This podcast is run on gas. It's pure gas. So you could call it the Hindenburg. Indeed. That didn't end well. No. Like a lead balloon. Yeah. Uh, which apparently does work. <laughs> Mythbusters <laughs> reference. Yeah. Uh, yes. So... What I was going to say is you, you get a lot of, and I, I think we should dedicate an episode to that, uh, on like fake IPA. Mm. So a lot of beer... Could we refer to it as a fake PA? I mean, is that cool? You nailed it. Man. Is that cool? You nailed can I, it. Can we do that? You nailed it. Can we do that? I've been waiting all day to say that. That's a good one. All right. Let's so fake PAs. Fake PAs. Fake PAs. And because craft brewers have gotten onto the fact that, that people like IPAs, and it's a thing which is now almost synonymous with craft beer that you have to bring out an IPA if you're a craft brewer. Mm. A lot of craft brewers have brought out something they call an IPA, but mm. which is really not an IPA. Mm. It, mm. It's, a, it's a, at most a pale ale with a little bit of extra hops added. And, but it's not... So the, the core aspect of an IPA is the hoppiness. It's, sure. it's all about the hops, you sure. know. Um, so don't call something an IPA if it's not. And I think that's, that's what we're trying to... It's kind of style piggybacking. It's style... It's, I don't know what it is, but it, it's weird. And... No, say it's style piggybacking because okay. it's, it's, that's a great term. It's style and, piggybacking. And I'm going to be using that. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to write that down. I wish I bought a pen. Style, style piggybacking. It's a new thing. <laughs> it's a new You've thing. heard it here first. Uh, um, so that's something we'd want we'd to talk about a little bit and, and bring out because, again, I hate being a style policeman. But on the other hand, if I pick up a saison, I'm looking for dry spiciness. And if it's not that, then it probably isn't a saison. Yeah. There, I said it. You did it. I did it. You came out. But having said that, I don't <clears throat> think Agar's is not a Saison. I think it's got a lot of the Saison flavors. Yeah. I like it. I would have this again. In fact, I haven't often been disappointed with Agar's beers. You've recently been talking a lot about Agar. Mm. Um, I've been trying their beers. A couple and of them. I must say, these guys are, are, are knocking it out of the park most of the time. Um, I've got some issues with their branding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you kind of have issues with literally every single. I, I have issues with mostly most branding I encounter. Although it has to be said though that that uh, Darling's branding has always been on point. Yeah, Darling's Darling really really are good. It's look, it is a bit 
you know, animal, everything is animal based. And I mean, those labels mm. are, are spot on. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's bold without being pink and orange. Exactly. Um, it's a, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, Smack also very good. Smack's I mean, also got it. Smack, I, mean, I mean, since they came out, I mean, their, their, their logo type, I mean, yeah. everyone knows that, that, mm. you know, that exclamation mark, you know, yes, glass is, is, is top notch. And, and I, and they've I, got I, nice features on their label. Like, they do. Like they've got the, the city skyline as part of their barcode. Yeah. Which is clever. Very clever, yeah. Uh, I like Smacks. And it's, it's quite clean. I mean, the brand is clean. They good use of color. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's different ways to get to the same outcome, which is mm. something that engages with your, the, your, your customer and makes sure. it visible on the shelves. Um, well, that's something which a lot of croppers don't understand, is that the, the craft, even the craft beer fanatic is not immune to classic <laughs> marketing. Sure, a little subliminal marketing. Sure. You know, if you go and pick out a, a book from the from the exclusive books at the airport sort of thing because you want an airport read, you go often for the, the cover with the bright colors and a nice picture on it and you go see, okay, what's this? This looks yeah. pretty good. Yeah, this will last for a plane mm. trip, you know? And it, and beer consumers are not any different. Mm. They're going to... Mm. And, and nowadays you've got fridges stacked full of craft beer, which is great. Uh, wonderful, and and you're gonna go to the the label which attracts you. Yeah, and if labels are all bland and, and sure. samey, you're not gonna buy that. Beer. Yeah, and again, we're also talking about consistency because I mean, something like uh, Brewers and Union, who mm. you know for years have had a very similar kind of branding, a very simple branding, but yeah. definitely their own. Unfortunately, um, they don't have a saison. Note the Brewers. And I, was, Union. I was gonna say that they have literally have one of everything. Right. So what's up next, Marcel? Next is, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe we should do a bit of a beer pairing. Beer pairing. Can we put an echo on that? Yes. Beer pairing. Pairing, 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 pairing. pairing, pairing, pairing. pairing. So one of the, the, the show features we want to bring out is a sort of a unconventional beer pairing. And what would you, you pair with something which is normally paired? So normally it would be food. Mm. We're never going to do a food pairing thing. Mm. That's just Aren't boring. We? Of course we are. But food's delicious. Of course. And we'll have a whole food episode. <laughs> but the thing... <laughs> this podcast just paid off for me. Yeah. We're going to eat. We're going to eat at some point in time. So we have to eat because we're drinking too much. <laughs> uh, so, ten, so so in this beer pairing, we're going to say what to drink with the thing, which which is a little bit unconventional. So I thought a cool initial one. Because, mm. Matt, I know something about you. You know a lot about me. I know a secret. And the secret is that you are a fantastic sci-fi movie geek, and you love science fiction movies. I do dig sci-fi. I do dig sci-fi. Yeah. And sci-fi movies are often complete crap. Right? Um, yeah. Am I right? Yeah. You, 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 you are right. Um, strangely enough, even the, the really worst sci-fi films are still sci-fi. You know, mm. I, can still, I can still watch them. You can, um, but you're doing it out of loyalty rather than... To, to the genre, absolutely. Rather than quality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, sci-fi is my jam. Sci-fi is my jam. And so, there, there actually isn't enough sci-fi. There isn't. There's not enough good ones. Not enough good ones, right. absolutely. I can probably in the last five years count, you know, on mm. one or two hands the mm. number of really good thought-provoking sci-fi films so, that have come out. I mean, just the other day I was watching a sci-fi because of, you know, reasons. <laughs> and actually, I, you know, I was walking past my lounge and a gust of air... Uh, blew me into the couch, onto the onto the pillows, and then I hit with my shoulder. I hit the remote, and the TV went on by accident. And then there it was, Aeon Flux with uh, Charlize, Charlize Theron. Theron. And uh, don't, no, don't say Theron. I mean, I you respect can't. I respect their need to be no, called Theron. Okay? No, 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 no. 
I'm a Charlize Can we just call fan. her Charlize? Because we're going to agree to disagree on this. I like Charlize. That's, you can call her Charlize. Let's go. Have you got a problem with Charlize? <laughs> I don't. Tell me now. No, I don't. Anyway, tell us about Anne Flax, anyway, which, was a, which was a dismal film. It was just... And again, I couldn't stop it's watching. Dismal. And I it's knew dismal. that that is why I'm such a geek. I mean, I couldn't stop watching because it's clearly sci-fi. Yes. Yes. And I like the fact that there's sci-fi shit going on on the screen. Absolutely. I'll but watch it beginning movie. to end, but it is absolutely... It's bad. Yeah. It's yeah. really bad, but it's sci-fi. Yeah. And, I mean, it's even more disastrous that, you know, a lot of these sci-fi films come from really, really strong source material. Mm. I don't um, think Aaron Flux might be one of well, them. Well, Aaron Flux visually was, mm. was very, very strong, mm. which they absolutely, you know, fucked up yes. as harshly as possible in the actual movie. And I couldn't figure out what the damn thing was about. Um, it's about the future. That's all you really need to know. Mm. It's about it's about protecting humankind, yeah. which, are, which a large percentage of sci-fi films are about. Um, but yeah, I mean, besides Charlize, who was also surprisingly out of her depth, I think this was um, was this. I think Aaron Flax was pre pre Monster. Was it yeah, before her Oscar or not? Somewhere along there. I mean, look, I I think she's a very good actress. I think she nails it. I mean, she's so good at portraying, you know. The drama. Weirdly enough, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have seen her recently. In, and she's in, really easy on the eye. I'm not going to lie. No, I won't lie about that either. Um, a lot of people have seen her recently in Mad Max Fury Road, where, mm. you know, where she... Which I hated and you loved. I actually forgot up until this very second that we were supposed to have an argument mm. about this. We're going to have an argument in future episodes about Mad yeah. Max Fury Road. Okay, for, for now, something we can mm. agree on is that... Charlize Theron is actually phenomenal in, in Mad Max Fury Road. She seems to be a little bit like the Robert De Niro's and, and Al Pacino's in the sense that she can pull off almost any role. Yeah. You give her yeah. a role and she'll do it. Correct. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Correct. Um, I, I actually remember, I think, one of her very, very first roles, not um, Two Days in the Valley, which I think was her actual first role, mm. which was a weird Pulp Fiction ripoff or mm. pastiche. Um, oh, not a good bad word form. for the day. I know. I've used pastiche. I feel good about that. Look it up if um, you don't know what that means. I think it had uh, either David Spade or James Spader. Now, this Probably is a, this is a Dermot Mulroney, Dylan McDermott situation. Right. Where you never know which one is which. They're the same people. They're the same people. I'm convinced they're the same guy doing two series from two guy. different actors. It's the same guy. Um, anyway, she was in a. It was a romantic comedy with um, with Jeff Daniels, I think it was, and um, Kramer from Seinfeld. Right. Where she basically played the manic pixie girl mm. trope um, on a motorbike, driving up and down past this yeah. guy's broken down caravan. I haven't uh, seen that. It, it, look, it's it's unbelievably funny. What's your favorite? I know this is an intensely unfair question. Yeah, but I'm going to have to ask it. So, what is yeah. your favorite sci-fi movie of all time? Because we're trying to get to what what's the beer pairing? Yeah. For your favorite sci-fi movie of all time, what is the best beer? To drink while you're watching your favorite sci-fi movie. I would it be possible if I could break it up into like three sections, and those three sections we can I can I'm happy to digest those kind of type of beers. But because my three favorite sci-fi films, all three very. I'm sure I said favorite, films. not three. Favorite. Yeah, you did. You did. Okay, let's do three. Let me do. The, the, I realize I, the gargantuan unfairness of my question. It's an unbelievably unfair thing, and right. it starts making me want to define sci-fi again. Um, but I'll, I'll be very quick about it. The, 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 my, my first favorite sci-fi film that I can remember loving sci-fi was The Last Starfighter, mm. where the dude plays the arcade the game, arcade and he's game. so good at the arcade game that they come and fetch him to lead 
there. And isn't that just a dream of all adolescent it, boys who hang out in arcades? Absolutely. It's like I'm doing this for a reason. I'm not mm. just wasting my life in you know twenty cent pieces. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, this means something. That dates us, say, eh, Matt. They, if we say that I was going to say twenty cent pieces. You used to pay for arcade in twenty cent pieces. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I would say that that's that that was my first sci-fi mm. thing and. I can immediately tell you that a beer that I would pair with that movie, because it's all about USA, 1984, rock right. and roll and killing aliens. Bubblegum and kicking ass. Bubblegum and kicking ass, you know, like a Duke mm. Nukem thing, is it's got to be like a Budweiser, you know, it's got to yeah. be like a hard American. Central American. Absolutely. Pop culture beer. Absolutely. You know, we're going to go to the lake this weekend. Can I take <laughs> the truck, dad? Um, so I think I think that, that fits that perfectly. Um my my next one being, and it's it's sad that I was only introdu- introduced to this movie like, you know, after it was mm. already established as a cult classic. But but Blade Runner, which is which is everyone's favorite mm. sci-fi film, and if it isn't, you're an idiot and you should stop watching film. Exactly. Um, and um, I, I think the only thing that it's possible to pair with that is something you know dark and and dark and mysterious and deep and evil. Um, which I can't actually think of a beer that fits that. I mean, I, I when I was in London, we used to drink Guinness with uh, um, shots of sherry dropped into it, which I think would probably be the closest I can get to that. Wow. Yeah. That sounds horrible. Well, yeah, we were students. What are you going to do? Mm. Um, and then I, I'd say my last one, um, which is far more recent, um, and even the fact that it isn't that recent shows you how little I watch film nowadays, uh, would be Sunshine, um, Danny Boyle's Sunshine. It's an interesting choice. Um it's not. It's a. It's mm. a. It's it's mankind's last hope. It's a journey to the center of the mm. sun. Mm. It's it's Icarus. It's Daedalus. It's um, it's metaphor dripping with uh, irony. Mm. It's brilliant. Um, I mean, my favorite part of that movie was the whole thing where they there was something about constantly being close to the sun, which activated something primal in human beings, and they went it, all it, weird. It literally, yeah, uh, it, 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 it drives ah, you. It drives you crazy. Well, no, it, no, no. There's no spoiler there because we didn't say who it happens to. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the final third does turn into a little bit of a funky mm. kind of um, uh, Halloween. Mm. But, but you know, everything up until there is is just solid science and mm. solid geekery, and it's it's brilliant. And and on that note, you know, I, I would I would need a uh, a very scientific beer, and uh, the most scientific beer I can think of to drink with that would be uh, something I only learned about through you, Marcel, which is a like a steam ale, you know, a steam mm. a steam beer, uh, something that's um, the chemical processes are required for it to come out in a decent shape. Yeah, I like that. Hey, that that works for me. How does that work for you? I even punted you a little bit there. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. So so let's switch that back. So. Wow, you've, you've raised the bar here. Um, <laughs> it's almost as if I had the answers ready. Mm, almost. I'm not sure how that <laughs> happened. So, I mean, my favorite, definitely, I mean, Blade Runner is definitely in there. I mean, yeah, I think it it's so difficult not to say Blade Runner. And so, so now that I've got the license to do three, I wouldn't put Blade Runner as my top sci-fi movie, though. Um, but it's pretty close. Uh, my top one is actually Contact. Yeah. Yeah, Sagan and Foster and McConaughey. For sure. And, I mean, I'm a big Carl Sagan fan. And Contact just nailed everything he was about for me. So Mm. Contact would be my favorite sci-fi. I mean, it's kind of on the edge of maybe not even being sci-fi, but let's... Not going to that debate. Yeah, I was. I was going to say because mm. we can we can analyze mm. the final twenty minutes of that movie and say for whether sure. it was sci-fi or yeah. not. So for contact, for me, contact is sort of a hopeful movie. At the end of the day, it, yeah. it, it, it's very positive. 
it sort of makes you feel good about humanity on some level. And I think there's also an important reconciliation between mm. religion and science in a yeah. lot of in a lot of that. Sure, thing, there's you know? there's that aspect which Sagan was very passionate about. Yeah. Uh, so for me, that would have to be like an optimistic, light, but but beer with depth, you know. Mm. And mm. actually, it turns mm. out that I would actually pair the saison. How how strange! I would I would pair the darling long claw saison with how contact. This has worked out nicely. It's it's worked out nicely, and it because it's a beer which makes you feel good about life. Yeah, and it's um, clean and clear. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that would be my favorite beer, uh, Blade Runner for sure. And you're right, it's dark, it's noir. You've got to have a dark beer with yeah, it. You got it. You got it. So 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 I fail to come up with any mm. legitimate beer. I mean, besides saying like a. Uh, what, a double imperial or something like that. Yes, yeah, some um, sort of dark, ca- and mysterious. You, you, beer. you tell me where. What in that category would fit for a a, a, a watching of? I think you've, some you've, dark you've, Vangelis and some Ridley Scott. Yeah, and it's not a happy movie either. So you've got to have a beer which makes you slightly depressed. Yeah, and so for me, my yeah. the beers which make me slightly depressed are. So I don't like this style of beer very much, but it's popular and it's called a robust porter, and robust porters are are. Are like very dark roasted malts, and it's slightly bitter, and it's got a fu- it's funny dark roasted malt flavor for me. So yeah, I would I would go. Oh, with that sounds delicious. I sure, think we should try some of those. And we're actually going to try one today in our beer review. So so we're going to try porters, uh, maybe something I don't know, like black taxi cab porter from I think it's Fuller's in Britain would be a good uh, pairing. Also, it's got it's got British vibes that movie, right? Because um, Ridley Scott's British. He is British, yes. Yeah. yeah, he's English, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there definitely is a sensibility about that. Mm. Um, if only that it's often the English who are most effectively able to call America on uh, all of its faults and, sure. then, and then highlight them in a discussion. Unfortunately, they've now just fiction. gone and done their own little mistake. What, Brexit? Mm. Are we going to talk about Brexit? Let's How can we not? How can we not talk about Brexit? Not what, Welcome to the beer what, podcast what, where what, we discuss topical political issues. What beer would you pair with Brexit? Oh well, it, well. Since Britain is exiting, I guess you'd have to pair it with with something truly magnificent, like a Belgian. I would. It I would has pair to be it, a European. In beer, fact, I would pair it with one palpable. of the highest rated beers right now in the world, and will probably continue to be, which is the uh, Westflatteren Number Seven. Westflatteren, and that's that's consistently been one of the the greatest beers ever. Okay. And um, I like the uh, like I said I like the irony of it being a European beer that we would have yeah, to pair with Brexit. Yeah, it's it's Westflitteren, Westflitteren, uh number twelve or number seven. Number twelve seems to be uh, the one which is mostly getting the the good ratings. And and yeah, so because it's in a way like you're not going to have this anymore, buddy. Yeah, you may as well try. You want to leave us? You want to leave Westflitteren <laughs> for what? How dare you? How dare you? You don't want Westflitteren? Yeah, for what? You know, for what? Gordon Ramsay? Is that it, what you want to do? It sounds like for? a 14th century opera, this flattering. Yeah, so those, those are great monotripist beers. Okay, so, right. Well, c- can we not talk about Brexit, though? Yes. Cause, cause so so I've, I've only got the two. So it's, it's Blade Runner Contact. And I would say, I mean, I really loved Interstellar. I, I loved it. I loved Interstellar. I thought and it was I would, phenomenal. And I would put it right up there. I mean, I was going to, if it weren't Interstellar, I would put uh, Solaris. With George Clooney. The Clooney Solaris, the mm. Soderbergh Solaris. I like the Soderbergh Solaris. Mm-hmm. And it's also a very intense, hectic movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, messes with your mind. Um, so I, I would, but I would, I would sort of give maybe Interstellar a bit of a heads, a nose, 
length ahead of it. Um, and Interstellar again is kind of a hopeful science fiction movie. It plays with time and space and everything, and uh, I think it's it's almost a little bit psychedelic in a way. Definitely that final. I'm surprised that none of us mentioned 2001, which is also a close contender. Yeah, again, 2001 is everyone's genesis of sci-fi love. Sure. At the same time, as not necessarily being everyone's favorite. But Interstellar, I would bear almost certainly with a a very high alcohol uh, Belgian beer. So I think you should drink you should drink a triple with watching Interstellar. And I would choose the Marisots Breweries Triple. Marisots. Marisots or something like that. It's commonly available in South Africa actually. And uh, or the 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 Westmall Westmall Trippist Breweries uh, Triple. Because that is a nice high alcohol beer, it's lovely flavours, sugary flavours, and it's it's gonna get you drunk. It's time for our beer review. Beer review. Beer review. review. That was very professionally produced beer review music. <laughs> as you were following along. We, yeah. As soon as we get sponsored, we're going to we'll, we'll put in some professional We're going to rock. There. We're yeah. going to rock once we're sponsored. Yeah. We're going to be broadcasting from the top of Sand and Towers. I don't think you can get a permit for that. Okay. I'm almost certain that that's legal. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool, though. But it's good to dream. Maybe the basement. It's good to dream, man. It's basement dream. parking at Sand and Towers. Keep holding on to that. And today we're going to be reviewing a winter beer because it's still almost not summer here in Joburg. Oh, uh, it's so close. It's so, it's close. so close. But every now and again it comes back to, to yeah, bite you. Fuck us. And um, we mentioned the robust porter earlier when we talked about Blade Running. Yeah. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Good Lord, got that wrong. Um, and I, I assume you were trying to make a statement, but that's, that's I was fine. totally making a statement. You were making a statement. So we're going to be reviewing a porter. I'm not sure what the style, sub-style is, if it is a robust porter, but I'm going to assume that it is. And we're going to be reviewing Citizen Beer's Pacifist Winter Porter. Now, Citizen is a brewery I've been following for quite some time. Mm. They, they're kind of old now, actually. Uh, they've been around for a while. They, the, they Define old. I mean, are we talking in, in craft beer years? Mm. So, I think they've five, been around... Five, six years? Probably around five, six years, I would think. And... They, I think, are still being contract brewed through Boston breweries in Pardon Island. I, I know the owner of, of Citizen Beer reasonably well through the, the beer scenes. And it's himself and his, his business partner. And they actually started a really cool burger restaurant in Long Street in Cape Town um, called uh, Roy Hell. I don't know if that was a Pulp Fiction uh, Yeah, Roy Hell with cheese. I, I'd like to think it is because I love Pulp Fiction. In fact, we should have an entire show just about <laughs> pop fiction. Yeah, your weird sexual proclivities are not our concern. <laughs> oh, but they are. <laughs> so Citizen Beer, great uh, little outfit. They started the, the beer line really to complement their burgers. They didn't really think they were going to oh, go out and, and do that. And they were only going to stock the, bre- the beer in the restaurant itself. And I'd like to get hmm. maybe an interview with, with the owners one day uh, on the show. But again... Understand craft beer, love it, in it for the right reasons. And um, their first one they brought out was called the Alliance Amber Ale, mm. uh, which is a nice amber ale. And then they've since then just brought out a lot of different ones. And this is their latest latest one. It's the Pacifist Winter Porter. So we're going to review it. Mm. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to start from the beginning. So we're going to first review the beer before we've even opened it. So we're going to look at it purely from a, a looks perspective. Mm. 
So how gonna, does this look on the shelf? How exactly. does it look in your hand? Yeah, judge it with your eyes alone. Yeah. Before the pour. Yeah. What, what, what makes you buy a beer? What makes you put your hand into the fridge or onto the shelf inside a bottle store? Exactly. Reach and, for that and not the Take other. that one. Exactly. Uh, or if you're in a pub and you see the beer bottles lined up as they often are, yeah. why do you think, okay, I'm going to try that one? Yeah, absolutely. So, Matt. Over to you. I've I've always liked Citizens branding. I know mm. that it's I know that it's quite plain. It's quite clean. Mm. Um, it, it's it's um, it's very uniform. All the beers you know are quite structurally the same mm. in terms of the label. Um, the bottle is very generic. I mean, we've seen this kind of craft mm. bottle. Yeah, this is the four forty milliliter craft mm. bottle we yeah. see mostly in South African craft. Yeah. I personally love 440. I think I like the volume. Yeah, you think that's like the Almost perfect the craft beer yeah. volume. Yeah. I get value out of a pint. You know, I always feel a little bit shortchanged and disappointed when I With pour a, a 340 or a 330. Yeah. I think, oh, you know, it's just not enough. Just, just want that extra sip. You want that extra sip. I am. Um, I, I like the. Well, actually, let me start from the top with uh, with Citizens branding itself. They've, they've had this shield motif that they've used on on their beers. Um, it's, it's a little bit odd for me, but they've been consistent in using it, and it is, it is their thing. You know, the, mm. the dagger in the shield. Sure. Um, I, I dig that. I like the fonts they've mm. used. They've, and shield motifs are common in brewing yeah. label design. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. Again, and we're looking at. You know, you, you've mentioned before your hatred for the. The two hops on either side mm. of the of the logo. Yes. Um, you know, at least Citizen avoids that. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no. What I like about Citizen's labeling is there's absolutely no yeah. cliche. Yeah, yeah, in correct. this label, correct. there are no little hops and barley plants lying around anywhere. Yeah, uh, none of that. Yeah, there's no trellis. No trellis. There's, there's no fish jumping out of the ocean. Sure. Um, I've I've always also really liked that gradiated um, kind of geometric mm. background that they've used i know i know my, it's a bit odd as well sure. but um i mean my favorite really part good. of citizen beers labels is going to strike most people as pretty odd but then i'm pretty odd is the texture of the label itself it's got a texture it, you know what it reminds I me i love of? it it reminds me of chateau libertas wine bottles you know like you used to go to the eau de Kroll grill when you yes. were like 12 years old and your dad mm. used to order a bottle of wine. Yes. And that's the, the texture I get there. I mm. get that kind of 1980 steakhouse it's, texture from yeah. it. I wouldn't have I said like that. that. You're a weirdo. I, I'm, a, I'm a weirdo. Also, I spent a lot of time in steakhouses. Yes, so, you do. So uh, <laughs> take that from where it comes. But, but, I, but I get what you're saying. I, I just I, love the texture. It's, yeah. it's not a, a smooth label. It's got a texture to it. Yeah. It obviously is going to co- – it's costing him a little bit more, I'm sure. Um in label uh, yeah. cost, but it's a. It, I love the texture. It's all, yeah, the the irregular shape of the label exactly. is also probably yeah, going to pump a that up a bit. Um, I'm disappointed. You know, we've discussed before. You know, enjoying reading mm. um, about copy. the brewery, a bit of copy. No, there's no know, copy here. Nothing. None. Nothing. You got the front of the label. They you've don't got tell a, you anything about themselves. You do have the ingredients. They mm. do give away the fact that they use cocoa. And this is an interesting one. So it's, it's got barley. It's got oats. Yeah. So this is a a, a, a oat. Uh, porter, so it's got oats in it, oatmeal porter or oatmeal stout, and it's got cocoa, vanilla, hops, and yeast. So yeah, and, and nice to see that they're actually telling you what's going sure. on, like you couldn't work it out yourself. Yeah. Um, look, my again, what I like about Citizen is that there's uniformity. If I saw mm. four of their bottles on, you the, know that I know, and, and I know what to expect. I've yes. had Citizen before. We've tasted their beers mm. before. I know exactly, you know, there's a level of quality that comes with uh, sure. with their consistency. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, you know, question being, if this bottle is standing next to another bottle in the liquor store, would you reach for it? The, you know what? The clarity of design means you don't have to get up close to it to look at mm. the intricacies of a beautiful illustrated artwork or something like that. This this kind of works from far off. You know the stripe. You know the fonts. You know the colors. 
Um, it, it would definitely, mm. while not as exciting as other designs, mm. so it's not necessarily going to engage me as much. Yeah, it doesn't sort of like, it doesn't go right off the left side of, of design no. here. No, and yeah, and we're you know, like I say, the bottle is very generic. That's stuff mm. that we've seen a million times before. But at the Don't same time, slate the bottles, man. It's I'm, difficult to get bottles as a crop. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm well aware of the the bottle difficulties. <laughs> um, but you know, I've got, I've like I say, I like the cleanliness of Citizens branding, and and mm. and I will always recognise them immediately on a shelf for sure. So good one on the on on the labels there, Citizen. We like it. Not that that should make you lose sleep if you didn't. We're a podcast <laughs> yeah, without yeah, a name. Yeah, yeah, we literally have no credentials. <laughs> so let's pour this beer, and Matt's going to try and get oh, some pour action yes, on the sound there. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. Mm. That is a beautiful sound. Yeah, we should that, trademark that, that sound. Yeah, that sound should be our opening theme. Yeah, trademark podcast without a name. Okay, so <laughs> pouring it, not surprisingly for a porter, it is dark. Yeah. It's it is opaque. It is opaque. You Completely can't see opaque. through it. I suspect that it's sort of a dark cola color if you if you look through light at it a little bit. But it's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole bunch ahead here. No. And and these glasses are clean. By the way, if you if you constantly experience no head in your beers, it might. It's not always because of the the beer itself. Mm. It could be because you're not rinsing your, your glass. Your glassware is tainted. Yeah, even with a, if you're using a like a dishwasher, you you get residue on the inside of the glass. So you should always rinse your, mm-hmm. your beer glasses with water and then pour, and then you'll find better heads. And that's my tip for the day. So nice and dark, uh, aroma wise, Matt. What are you getting here? A lot of sweet notes at the top. A lot mm. of sweet notes. Um, yeah, there is sweetness here. Uh, again, there's that kind of caramelly. Yeah, and I'm immediately getting that vanilla. Yeah. There's yeah. quite a lot of vanilla f- aroma, which which makes me happy because vanilla is obviously a wonderful scent. Yeah, a lot of uh, the cocoa is coming through. I can smell chocolate. No, it's it's got a clean vanilla, slightly roasty aroma, which 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 promises good things to come. Mm. So we're going to taste this now and then let you know what we what we get you. Mm. So there's a lot of vanilla, a lot of cocoa, and then you get the roasted malts in the background. Not afraid uh, of the bitterness either. Yeah. So so the bitterness comes in porters and stouts. The bitterness often comes more from the roasted grains than from mm-hmm. the hops. So it's a different kind of bitterness. It, it's almost that coffee bitterness rather it's than... It's the coffee a, bitterness, yeah. for sure. It's a, it's more tanniny in nature. It's mm. it's a little bit... Yeah, it's, it's more stringent. It, yeah, a little bit sharper. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I must say that... Vanilla doesn't necessarily come through as strongly in the taste of it as it does in the doesn't. in the notes. No, I, I suspect the vanilla is going to be on the aftertaste, maybe more. But the main taste for me is 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 quite a lot of mm. um, chocolatey, chocolatey cocoa, coffee notes, yeah. roasted barley. Not so much of that, but there's there's something there, and it's it's nice and dark and, and a nice mouthfeel. I mean, I have to say, yeah, it's very smooth. It stays there and it it, it fills your mouth. I must say the one thing I'm disappointed by is that there were a lot of sweet notes at the top. Mm. I'm, I'm, I was expecting a little bit of that in the actual right. in the actual flavor, and I'm, mm. I don't know whether that's a style thing or, or not. Um, yeah. But I'm not tasting what I smelt, you know. For sure, I, I think what I like about it is, and and that's mainly personal, is is I'm not a big fan of the the, the porter style of beer because I find sometimes that the roasted malts used are too astringent for me, and and almost. Espresso to, level. Yeah, almost way too tanniny, too mm. astringent. 
And I'm not picking that up from from this beer, which I like. So this is, for me, a nice dark beer I'd like on a winner's night. Um, in fact, I, I would watch Blade Runner while drinking this. Mm, mm. This, this is tick, a, tick that box. Tick that box. Tick it's, that box. It's got your cocoa in, and they say they've added, I suspect they've added cocoa nibs. Um, because it's not a very strong cocoa flavor. No, no, but I can, I can, I constantly smell it. I am, mm. I am catching that over and over again. Mm. Look, this is a beer. It's it's a big beer and not alcoholic because uh, I see a six. A, uh, six. Uh, it's it's pretty strong. Uh, six is not not uh, not low. So. Yeah, nothing to laugh at. Yeah, so it's it's a big beer. It fills your mouth. It 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 definitely it leaves you with a good roasty flavor. In the mouth, so it's not a beer which you would necessarily bear with a lot of food. I don't think because it's so it's so strong. Mm. What 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 could you eat with this? Maybe uh, something something that obviously has a lot of flavor on its own. I would have this with dessert. I mean, this for me would be a dessert beer. Mm. I'd have it with a cheesecake. I was going to say cheese. I'd, something. I'd, I'd well, you know what would really be nice, and then we should probably try that in some time in a future show. Is you make a, you this would make a really nice beer float. So you stick a nice, uh, nice vanilla, vanilla ice cream, ice cream in the beer, mm. and you have a beer float. Because mm, that's actually a lot of the notes that. Sorry, just to. Mm. It, it's almost a not sweet Coca Cola. It you is. Know, it's, you're getting a lot of the same yeah. notes from it. For sure. So I, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, I can I, I think this would make that. a kick-ass beer float. Yeah. For a nice dessert, and if you haven't tried a beer float, you really should. It is a wonderful dessert, an adult dessert, <laughs> which which you really should try. For, look from from my perspective, I mean, for for me, as a as a less educated beer drinker, a lot of the time when I see Stop it, saying that, man. no, no, but it's but it's true, you know, <laughs> and and we have different expectations when it comes to styles of beer, mm. um, and when I see a dark beer like this, I automatically get that Guinness sure. level of creaminess and and, yeah. and 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 flavor to it, so. It, there's a there's a trade off on the one hand between that education of you know not everything that's dark is a Guinness, mm. and on the other hand that I, you know I see I see for example here this head is very carbonated it's not fluffy and creamy sure. and that that changes my perspective yeah. of the beer. Well, the creamy head from Guinness is mostly because it's a nitrogenated beer. So when you get it in the pub, it's poured through a nitrogen tap, so it's actually nitrogen. Also known mixed as in. the delicious. Tap. Yes, that one. The thing that makes yeah. things. And wonderful. I like nitrogenated beers because of that creamy head it gives and it's yeah. a silky, silky yeah. mouthfeel. Now, the one thing I'm not picking up from, from Pacifist is the oats. And what oats does to a beer, if you add it, is it, it gives you a silky, creamy mouthfeel. In a way, like you would expect from if you make your oats for breakfast, and, and you know if you if you put hot water onto oats, it has that slightly gelatinous, Gluggy, creaminess, creaminess, which it forms yeah. on its own. Yeah. It does the same to that beer. That risotto feel. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good one, risotto. So so I'm not getting that as much. It is a, it is still a very nice mm. mouthfeel, but you're right that I'm not quite getting that silky. Mm. It's not silky. Yeah. But I think it's it's tempering the, the roasted barley quite a bit. Mm. And and so it's not as mm. um, as harsh as it may have been. I like this water a lot. I have to say I would have this again in a heartbeat, uh, especially on a cold winter's day. Especially as a dessert beer, uh, but it's also refreshing, and I think that's kind of weird for me. Is that most beers are actually refreshing, no matter how dark mm. and heavy they are. Yeah. Um, so I could even have this in the middle of summer. Mm. On a, yeah, on a hot day. I think it is a bit of a stereotype people have about dark beers that you can only have them in winter, or yeah, when they have snowing. to be heavy and dark. You know, mm. uh, and it's not the case. Well, then the question remains: Would you, if you were on a 
trip to Mars. To Mars. And you have a lot of time to kill. You mm. can take a beer. NASA has allocated you. Yeah. Would you go to Mars? Would I go? Not Mar- in a million Mar- years. So if you had a slot on uh-uh. Elon Musk's Mars mission. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm terrified of the unknown. I'm, I'm terrified of the unknown and I'm terrified of mm. the claustrophobia of yeah. being on a deserted Elon, planet. Elon Musk recently said in an interview he's planning to retire on Mars. That's his retirement plan. He's going to stay much he's most of his life dude. on Earth. He's a weird, weird guy. Yeah, and he says that if he's confident that he's got a successor on Earth who can take SpaceX and everything forward, he, he will retire to Mars. He really is a Tony Stark character. He's totally, he, he is Tony re- Stark. He really is. He is. Um, or maybe a Bond villain. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, he's Blofeld. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so the question is, mm. you can, NASA have allocated a certain amount of space for mm. you on your, and they needed a brewer. And they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to sign up for that contract. Um, you can get one beer mm. of, of your choice to take with you on your multi-month mission sure. to Mars. Well, you know, interestingly, you Mars is bloody cold, right? It will freeze your ass if you believe the consent, the scientific consensus. I mean, I'm not. I'm it, not sure it, it's a matter of belief. It's man. it's such a red it's planet. A it has to be hot. Yeah, no. If if it were if it were cold, it would be blue. It's totally not. Everyone knows this. Yeah. This is basic. So, so Mars will freeze your ass. So you need a, a warmer, a winter warmer, because mm-hmm. there's only one season on Mars. Mm-hmm. That's winter. So I would take this to Mars. I would take the pacifist to Mars. I have to say though, now I don't like the name. It is. Uh, it's a curious we, choice. It of is name. a strange name. I it, it, now that you bring it up, mm. uh, having looked at the label and looked at the branding, because the other the other beers are called. If I it's Alliance Amber. Then they brought out their uh, their Pilsner, which is the Diplomat uh, Diplomat Pilsner and Saboteur 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 English which, IPA, which has a special history with us. Yes, we'll, we'll reveal it in later episodes. Yeah. We'll, we'll but we'll have to talk to the brewer. Damn Saboteur. Um, so all of those are quite strong names: diplomat, alliance, but they're all, saboteur, and they've got a bit of a political angle. Which okay, I well, think, pacifist, which I think pacifist does. does. I but think, gee, man, pacifist. This seems and I'm not sure pacifist really applies to this beer, unless you're thinking about cold winter nights sitting in front of the fire. Whereas it's too we, cold to go to it's war. Too, it's too yeah, it's too cold to be a Marxist. Maybe anyway, but that's a minor detail. Mm. I would take this to Morris. How about you? Um, I would say, if I was a fan of the style, I would take it to Mars. Mm. I, I'm not a fan of the style. I would, I would. It's a bit too hard for you. It's yeah, yeah. It's I, I'm actually not a fan mm. of the the kind of cocoa vanilla, mm. you know, type of dark. And I've beers. got to say now, having drunk more of it, what, and that's my main issue with porter as a style, which I'm not always fond of. Is is the more you drink of it, that bitterness. Mm. That astringency and that tannin yeah, builds just, up. Yeah, I couldn't have two of these beers. You, you can't. I couldn't have two. I could. I could have one, but that means that on my mission to Mars, I'm certainly you know I'm mm. drinking like one every three days, which, which would be a waste wise. of. Which is probably yeah. I don't want to be driving be doing, into any canyon. Yeah, or yeah, or flying myself into one mm. of Jupiter's moons or something. Um, Jupiter and Mars are quite far away, man. What if I overshot? <laughs> What, what if I put too much vuma in? I don't even know I'm trying. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say no, but not because the the beer isn't necessarily a good one. Mm. Um, just just not my thing. Sure, but um, so, I, I think it would be covered by your storage yeah. space. So. so let's let's go on completely subjective ratings, which yeah. we acknowledge is not BJCP accredited yeah. or approved by the League of Decency, or has any real world application whatsoever. Sure, but zero to ten. So zero being 
I'm looking forward to pouring this beer down the drain and then smacking the brewer with a bottle. Yeah. Then being, yeah. this is so good that all other beer pales into insignificance. Sure. Sure. It'd be nice to find a beer like that. Mm. Um, from my perspective, I'm going to give this a seven. I think it's a well-made beer. Pretty, it's pretty good. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's it's a, good. It's, I'm it's surprised. A, I thought you were going to go lower than seven. No, not at all. I, I, again, just because it's not necessarily the style that I would drink all the time, mm. um, I, I would definitely, I would drink this once every time I go out, you know, sure. that kind of thing. It's a it's a well made beer. Like I say, I like Citizens branding. It's it's mm. it, it it pulls me in every single time. Um, there's there's no there's nothing flawed about the mm. beer. The flavors meld nicely. Yeah, I think it's solid seven. I I'm gonna go with an eight, and the only reason I say that is I, I don't want the the style of the beer to color my judgment, and because I don't like the porter style that much, I'm giving it an eight. Mm. I probably would have given it a seven. But I'm giving it an eight because as porters go, I would rather have this one mm. than many other porters than, yeah, I've had. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm, I'm giving it an eight. Now I'm starting to think it's maybe too high. But hey, what the? Nah, yeah, be generous. I'm going to give it an eight. Be generous. We like Citizen. Give it, give, give it the eight. Give them an eight. And I, I, think, I think it's just for me, it's maybe the beer is a seven, but the total package is an eight. So the, the branding take it into and everything else kind of brings it up to an eight for sure. me. And and I would I would recommend this porter for people and especially if you're a porter fan. Yeah, then, then I think yeah, you'll love then you'll this be beer. very, very happy. I with think it. this is gonna be a good one for you. So that's Citizen Beer, Pacifist Winter Porter. Reached the end of the show. We've, we've, we've reached the end of the show. It's very like, sad. Like there's some finite amount of time. Yeah. Um why what's happening in the craft world in South Africa at the moment? Yeah, so what do we have to look forward to? What can we go and do? Coming up is is the SA on Tap Festival. It's coming to us to in the 22nd of October. And it's at the Pretoria Botanical Gardens. A very nice venue. I've been there a few times and it's a beautiful place. So great venue for, for a great uh, craft beer festival. Lots of, of breweries being represented. Uh, the website, which is saontap.co.za, says over 180 uh, brews, ciders, craft spirits, and wines represented. A lot of beer. With a whole bunch of beer. A lot of beer. So I would recommend going there. I think I'm definitely going to be there, and maybe we'll do a bit of a feature next time around on yeah. on what it was like and what, are yeah. the, what, what were the standout beers for us. So Matt and I go... On your behalf, dear listener. <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take the bullet for you. We will take the hard knock for you <laughs> by going to a craft beer festival and drinking a lot of beer. Well, yeah, although I'm not sure we should be saying that we'll go on your behalf. You should probably go anyway. You should probably go anyway. Um, but if it, you can't make it, if you're like stuck in a place like, yeah. I don't know, Cape Town. Yeah, if you're in, if you're in Cape Town and Shame. you have nothing to live for anymore, <laughs> exactly. then just wait for our next podcast and we'll give you something. Mm. How many sound taps are there? Don't they have multiple ones a year? They are. Um, there's, as far as I know, there are two, but there may be three. I don't, I'm not sure. I get, I, I get confused. Mm. Um, a lot of the branding for these craft festivals are pretty, Actually, I think there's three. There's one in Joburg, one in KZN, and one in Pretoria. And then there's, there's Josie Craft. There's that one. That, that has two a year, I think. No, I think that's only good one. Um, and then there's a few others here and there. So and let's keep up. There's a lot. We will we'll keep our listeners up to date. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it so you don't have to. Yeah, that's no, that, the works, one. that works for you. So breweries to watch out for. Ah. Anything you've noticed lately? Ah. Um, good question. I mean, I've, we've discussed a lot about agar. I yes. mean that's that's that, that's something that you know we've we've been looking at specifically. Mm. Um, besides that, 
There's a nice little outfit in, in Cape Town, which now finally the beers are starting to show themselves here in Joburg, called Riot, Riot Breweries. They're in Woodstock, which is one of my favorite places in Cape Town to hang out in. And Hippie. I know, sorry. And shout out to the people of Woodstock. <laughs> shout out to hippies everywhere. And Riot just makes some good beer, man. Um, we'll review some of their beers in future episodes. What have, you, what have you tasted so far? I've tasted their Session Ale, which is a golden ale called Valve. And I've tasted their IPA, oh, okay. uh, which is really great. And they just know how to use hops, man. They love hops. I'm a bit of a hophead myself, mm. not surprisingly. Mm. And uh, their branding is on point and their beer is good. I love it. So so Riot is maybe, if you can get your hands on it, obviously if you're in Cape Town, it's way easier. Uh, but if you're in Joburg, mm. I haven't seen it around that much. Uh, but there are a few uh, liquor stores out there uh, selling it. So Riot Beer. Mm. I would put that on my to, to-do list. Comes highly recommended, huh? For sure. Uh, you tasted the, the new Jack Black Vice on I Friday. I did. On Friday, you and what I did, had some. What did you think? I'm probably not that well qualified to comment on Vice. Not a huge Vice fan. I'm wheat and tolerant. You know. <laughs> sorry to <laughs> sorry, discuss yeah, my to personal medical issues here on the show. Horrible detail about that. But but I really am, and and when I have a Vice beer, I just like blow up like a balloon. Well, we we have a we have a, a mutual friend who is kind of a Vice mm. fan. Um, you know, a big fan of the Steph Vice, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and he he very much enjoys it. Um, I had it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very classic. On point vice. Mm. That's all I can say about it. I mean, I think that it, it's if you're a vice fan, you're definitely going to like it. Yeah, it produces exactly what you want from a vice. Sure. Um, I'm not sure what the the ABV is on that, but I'm pretty sure it's not very high. So you can probably have a Relatively lot of them. Really easy drinking. Yeah. I thought the Jack Black stuff, and and now they've started their own brewery. So they've now gone away from contract. They were on contract at Boston to begin with. Then they went to CBC. Now they've got their own brewery. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their own brewery. How that transition works, yeah. Maybe there's going to be new stuff coming out of there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, Jack Black's one of the stalwarts of mm. craft beer in South Africa. And I think they showed a lot of people that you can actually be successful as a contract brewery. Jack Black's a weird one for me because, I mean, they first came out of that lager. The, mm. You know, that was the first thing. And it, and it had a lot of penetration here in Joburg mm. uh, where almost no other craft exactly. beer was on tap. You can and get it Jack still Black. does. It still does. Sure. You, you, nowadays, if you walk into a Joburg restaurant, if they have a craft beer, it's probably it's Jack probably Black. It's probably Jack Black, yeah. Mm. But uh, the, the thing that surprised me most is, I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm not a, a huge fan of the lager to start with, but that, um, mm. you know, they, 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 they seem to be coming out with more and more exciting beers. They do, and I mean, you and I are both fans of the Lumberjack we've spoken about in the show. Mm. I think Lumberjack is, is probably, for me, the best amber ale being produced right now in South Africa. Mm. Oh, I'll go out and say that. Man! I'll go out on a, on a limb and say that it's the best African amber ale right now, Jack Black Lumberjack. So let's look towards our next episode. Yeah. Um, any ideas on what we'll be tasting? What kind of features are we looking at? Well, man, I can say unequivocally we're going to be having some beer. Okay. All right. That's interesting. We are C- could you expand on beer. that? Could you expand on that? Can you talk about that for a little bit? So I think we're going to be reviewing some more beers. We're going to be featuring some new uh, nice uh, essay music. We're going to do another style review, I think. And also next time we want to do much more about homebrewing because I don't yeah. want to lose sight of the fact that a lot of people yeah. listening right now are homebrewers. Uh, they, they're readers of the, the blog. 
And I'd like to give some love to my homebrewing, uh, homebrewing friends. Yeah, that's your jam, man. That's where you, that's where you came that's from. That's where it all came. That's your hood. From. It's it started there. It started there. Yeah. So I think actually next time we're going to do a bit of a thing about a debate on whether it's a good idea to start with extracts, kits, or full grain methods in brewing. So some of you might not have any idea what I just said. Very interesting. That's cool. Very, very interesting. So we'll do that. And then, and that's it from us. Great. Thank you very much, Marcel Harper. Anything you want to punt uh, or talk about? To punt? Yes. Any punting? Mm, no. No, I have nothing to punt. My life is a meaningless empty hole. So, Matt's our life is shit. <laughs> For more on this podcast and other beer-related things, I think you can check us out at beginnerbrewer.com. And that's going to be the place to check out future episodes and information. Our show notes will be available on iTunes, so please go and check them out and rate us on iTunes if you are kind and beautiful as a human being. And if you enjoyed what you listened to today, please give us some feedback. Actually, even if you didn't enjoy it, give us that same feedback. Um, And send through questions. I mean, Marcel surprisingly actually seems to know what he's talking about so any questions any uh comments queries whatever Where can they reach us man? they can reach us through your blog the beginnersburg yeah. blog so or just leave a comment on the beginner on brewer. The blog or on the on the page which is dedicated to the podcast yep beginnerbrewer.com um alternatively we have a facebook page and you can mm. contact us there as soon as we work out a name we'll let you know what it is yeah beginner brewer has a, a facebook page which is probably the best way to communicate i always respond I, if he's I, not deep in his cups. Uh, I don't know what that means, man. <laughs> it's an archaic term. But unless I'm doing what Matt just said, I will respond. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening.